Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. We all want to speak out for orientation and mobility, accessible technology, and daily independent living skills. But how do we do that? Jacqueline, or Jackie Borchart, the program director with the Vision Forward Association in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, joins us to answer that question. And we also have two clients who want to contribute their thoughts to this conversation. Our contributors today are two clients of Vision Forward. They are Chris Aliota and Katrina Rainey. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to have you all here. And Jackie, we want to learn more about you. What do you do as Vision Forward's program director? As Vision Forward's program director, I oversee all of the programming that we offer here at Vision Forward, from our youngest clients who come to us through our birth to three program all the way through seniors who participate in our adult vision rehabilitation services from the kiddies to the grown-ups that's a big role tell us more about vision forward association so Vision Forward Association is an organization that is almost 100 years old. Um, Vision Forward as it currently stands is actually uh, the result of a merger between two different organizations. Previously, we were the Badger Association for the Blind that served adults with vision loss and the Center for Bi Visually Impaired Children, which served children between the ages of zero and six. Back in 2010, these two organizations merged and became Vision Forward Association. And as a result, we were able to provide a full continuum of services for individuals from birth all the way through the end of life. That is fantastic. We now understand that Vision Forward helps people of all ages cope with vision loss. Now, we got to talk about the vision loss thing. If blind and visually impaired people start losing their vision, how do they find the resources out there to get help and the continued support that they need? Well, first and foremost, hopefully they have heard of Vision Forward Association and can come to us to receive a variety of services. We focus on education, training, and support. In addition to that, we are a network of a number of other organizations as well, and we can help to connect them to other community or national resources that can assist them in other ways. Chris and Katrina, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves and give us just a quick bit about how you spoke out to get the help in becoming independent. I'm Katrina. I'm 34. I've been struggling with my visual impairment since I was about eight. I heard about this program back in high school. And as an adult, I just came back to get more help and training because I did have like a very large vision loss over the last couple of years. How big of a vision loss was it? Well, I went from having the acuity of 2100, and now I have light perception and shadows. I see. How about you, Chris? Well, I am, I believe I'm 48. I lose track. <laughs> I'm getting so old. I lost my vision about 22 years ago. Over a course of about six weeks, I went from being able to drive and not knowing that I had some type of a genetic problem that was going to rear its ugly head to 
being declared legally blind. Legally, I guess I can count a doctor's fingers about three inches away from my eyes in terms of the visual acuity component. I had been working when I lost my vision, kind of struggled for many years in order to keep that job, just getting by with the bare minimum of assistance. And now I think even though I lost my vision 22 years ago, probably over the last year or so is when I'm actually starting to really deal with that or trying to learn the skills that I need in order to be successful, I guess. Very successful indeed. I believe that you both took the courage to speak out and receive that first advice in beginning your independence journey. But wait, Jackie, there's a second step to receiving that support in discussing a person's a person's independent living goals and looking into those ways to maximizing that person's remaining vision. How does your group of specialists at Vision Forward help the blind and visually impaired complete this step? After someone has been referred to us, so potentially referring themselves or being referred by a physician or another community member, um, the next really critical step is helping to identify what that individual's goals are. Um, so we're really focused on making sure that our services are individualized and that they really are targeted and tailored towards the specific goals for the individuals that we serve. So through a comprehensive assessment process, um, our providers work very closely with the individuals who come through our services to help to identify what exactly their goals are and what the things are that maybe they used to be able to do um, prior to their vision loss that they would like to resume doing going forward. Well, we're talking about communicating needs and feelings here. Chris and Katrina, you participate in the organization's support series and discussion groups just to discover new possibilities to make connections. Tell us about your experiences in these groups. The support group is very helpful because you get to meet other people who struggle with the same kind of, I guess, issues that you struggle with on a day-to-day -day basis as far as like finding the support or staying positive or keeping your own independence. We just kind of support each other and help each other get through tough times. From my standpoint, I only kind of recently, within the last maybe two months or so, started to participate in that. I live kind of a distance away from here, and it's it's not always easy to get here. But I can't say enough about the effect that the group has had. There's a number of people that seem to kind of come and go, but there's a core of about four or five people. I know Katrina's one of those people. And just having the ability to, I think no matter what happens in that group, no matter what's being said on any given day or who's there, I don't think there's a time where I've ever left where I haven't felt that you haven't walked away knowing something that you didn't know before or that you haven't felt like something that you might have said or done helped someone else in the group. To me, being here at Vision Forward, whether it's for the group or something else, it's a feeling of being a very safe place. It's where everybody kind of understands you. And when you leave and you walk back out the doors when you're done, you're kind of going back out into the real world where not everybody necessarily gets you. The feeling of having, you know, I, I feel like I've made some friendships in a very short period of time with people that I hope to really stay in touch with. So I, I think the support group is is absolutely amazing. And it's great to be able to meet friends because I think sometimes just even meeting friends can be difficult when uh, you don't have the abilities to get out like you maybe want to or need to. I agree. What he said. <laughs> <laughs>
Definitely Vision Forward is your home away from home. Yes. yes. Now, Jackie, there are occupational therapists. What do the occupational therapists do in helping Vision Forward clients maximize their vision? So we have two occupational therapists who are on staff who have a special certification, which is as a certified low vision therapist. They work in tandem with our optometrist on staff who specializes in the area of low vision. And between these two professionals, the focus is really about taking the remaining vision and helping them to learn how to make the most of that vision. And there's primarily four different ways in which we do that through our low vision services. The first way is through magnification or making the printed or other material larger. We can also do this through proper lighting. We talk about task lighting, so having good lighting on material it is that they're looking to see. We talk about glare control, so helping to manage both indoor and outdoor glare, which can have a big impact on a person's ability to use their remaining vision. And the final area is through contrast enhancement. Creating a greater contrast between foreground and background can help them to substantially use that remaining vision more effectively. Lighting and contrast, that's just two of the important low vision adaptations offered by Vision Forward. You've told us about a couple of them, but doesn't magnification, isn't that another adaptation? Absolutely. Magnification is one of the primary adaptations that we work with individuals on. So that can be through using optical or non-optical types of that magnification, electronic magnification. Electronic magnification can offer some really great benefits in which we can actually take that contrast enhancement and allow them to make contrasts or color changes. And it can also provide the ability to have a range of different magnification levels. So for individuals who may have vision that fluctuates from day to day, or for individuals who may need to access print that's in a variety of different sizes, that ability to change the level of magnification can be really powerful. Very powerful. Chris, I understand that you received some of Vision Forward's low vision services. What adaptations in this area has Vision Forward offered you? Well, for years I've used a video magnifier, but a very basic model. So I've been introduced through the therapist here to more current technologies, ones that also offer, in addition to their magnification, they offer the speech component as well. But I have been exposed to both some portable models as well as some kind of desktop models. And the next challenge, of course, is, you know, you kind of get an introduction to those things, but until you really obtain employment to know what your job is going to be, you kind of in a holding pattern in terms of knowing what assistance you can get for what equipment you might need. And so there's been some initial exposure, but there's still another step to take place following that. Employment, you say. Now, Jackie, do Vision Forward and other agencies also offer employment services for the blind? Because that's another way to becoming independent, correct? Absolutely. Employment is an incredibly important goal for many of the individuals we see at Vision Forward. At Vision Forward, we don't directly offer employment services, but we do work closely with the Wisconsin Department of Vocational Rehabilitation, and we are one of the primary referral sources for them for assessment and training and adaptive devices for people with vision loss. 
From that point, then, individuals work with Department of Vocational Rehabilitation and other job developers in the community to try to find work opportunities. There are two National Industries for the Blind organizations located here in Milwaukee, Beyond Vision and IB Milwaukee. So in some cases, those may be opportunities for individuals to begin to get some work-related skills. That's excellent. Okay, Jackie, your agency's website, vision-forward.org, says, quote, The key to independence with vision loss is learning how to complete everyday tasks in new different ways, end quote. What are some of the new skills? So we teach a variety of different skills. Um, many times um, we may focus on activities of daily living, which can include skills like cooking and cleaning, organization, dressing. In addition to that, though, we also offer training in orientation and mobility, so helping individuals learn to utilize a white cane and how to safely navigate their environment, be able to use public transportation, and be able to get from different points um, within their community. We also offer training in the use of Braille, which it can be used at a variety of different levels, whether individuals are using Braille as a primary mode of communication or if they're using it for public signage and in order to use it for labeling or other purposes. Katrina, while we're talking about daily living skills, which ones have you learned during your time with the organization? And are they that hard? I haven't really learned any new activities of daily living because I already knew them and I had vision but what I did learn was how to keep the skills that I have using it in a different way like they taught me how to cook more safely without having a vision and having a vision loss that I have inquired and they also taught me how to clean better as far as like sweeping vacuuming they also gave me like this device that tells me the colors of like my clothing so I can at least Make sure I'm matching and I won't walk out the house wearing like polka dots and stripes. Um, <laughs> they also gave me like different tips on how to label and organize my DVDs, for instance. I have a lot of DVDs, so I'm labeling those in Braille. They gave me raised dots so I can know what to set my oven on when I'm baking something. They helped me label my microwave, so if I might have to microwave something. Like the food items in my refrigerator. They also gave me like this pen friend. It's a voice recorder that you can record onto a sticker label or a magnetic label to where you can just voice record it instead of having to maybe brill it out or something. You can just put the pen friend onto the label and it tells you what it says. Now, Katrina, I understand you've also learned Braille at the organization. What are the benefits of learning Correct. Braille for you? Well, it's just the same. It's just as important learning Braille for you know, as a blind or vision impaired person as it is for a sighted person to learn how to read when they're going to school. Um, it helps me to continue to communicate without having to depend on everyone to do like to read things to me. If I can get it in a Braille format, then I can read it. There is a lot of audio stuff too, but when I'm out in public, um, in buildings and things. Public signage, I think Jackie said that. I didn't know the term for it. She mm -hmm. gave it to me. It's important to know the Braille so I can know I'm going into the women's bathroom instead of the men's bathroom, you know, mm -hmm. um, or where the exit is or the elevator, the floor I'm going to. So learning Braille is very beneficial. Like, I think it's important, just as important as it is to learn how to read if you can see, if you're sighted. Do you have any favorite books you like to read in Braille? Um... It's just, it's too many to name. <laughs> it's so many books I like to read. It's just, it's just too many to name, but it's lots of books. 
Okay. Um, I can't think of one off the top of my head. <laughs> okay. Very nice. The JAWS screen reading software, the voice activated phones, and the large print keyboards. They're just a few of the assistive technology products out there for students to learn. Jackie, tell us more about assistive technology and how the blind and visually impaired can learn to use these products and connect with their world. Well, we're very fortunate here at Vision Forward to have a newly renovated space. Um, just over a year ago, we opened a space called our Technology and Education Center. And this entire space, which is actually where we are right now, um, is all dedicated to assistive technology and the different applications for that technology. So we have a variety of different setups um, within and a variety of different types of assistive technology that are available for our clients um, to come and to try out and to, to begin to learn how this assistive technology can impact them. Uh, we have a variety of different types of smartphones and tablets so that individuals can learn how to either use screen magnification or um, different sorts of screen reading um, components within those devices. Um, we also have a number of different devices that can perform a function called OCR, which is optical character recognition. Essentially, what these devices can do is it can take a picture of printed material and it can turn that print then into spoken word. We also have a number of different computers that are set up with a wide variety of different types of technology. You mentioned JAWS screen reading software. We also have different sorts of um, screen magnification software, things like um, Magic or Zoom Text, which can allow people to enlarge the print um, in the, their entire desktop um, within their computer. In addition to that, we have a number of different types of what we consider cutting edge technology. Um, we have a device that's called OrCam which is a wearable device, meaning that it actually connects on to um, a person's pair of glasses and is a type of wearable OCR so that someone could take this device out into the community and would have instant access to printed material. We also um, have um, uh, uh, other uh, types of wearable devices. Um, we have a device that's called the eSight, which is a type of wearable video magnifier for individuals with low vision. And again, this is a device that they can wear out into the community and can allow them access to both near and distance viewing tasks um, in a wearable, easy to use format. Um, Along with that, we also have what are considered kind of mainstream devices. So these are devices that maybe aren't necessarily designed specifically for people with vision loss, but they have some really nice features that can allow someone with vision loss to be able to um, have additional access to their world. Um, so a great example of that um, is the Amazon Echo or the Google Home, which are voice activated assistants. And this can allow people to place orders on Amazon or to manage a calendar, to set timers or to um, create reminders for themselves. So we have um, the ability to um, introduce people to all these different types of technology and help them to determine which types of technologies help to them to achieve their goals. That's great. We've talked a little bit about orientation mobility and how learning the skills help people meet new friends, go to a big box store, or try a new restaurant. Katrina, what orientation mobility skills have you been taught by the organization, and were they easy to learn? Um, I've been taught how to properly properly use my white cane. Um, no, it was not easy to learn because, you know, you have the fear factor of not knowing what's in front of you um, and having to rely on a cane to tell you when there's a curve or steps or a sign. 
or a mailbox so you won't run into anything. Um, so I learned how to just navigate around like the neighborhood so I can get to the corner store or to the McDonald's, <laughs> you know, things like that. Jackie, let's talk about the kids. There are kids out there who also suffer vision loss. Many parents want their children to grow, to become independent and active adults. What advice do you have for both the parents and even the kids and how they might speak out? Well, I think, you know, this relates to part of our mission. Our mission here at Vision Forward is to educate, empower, and enhance the lives of individuals impacted by vision loss. And I think empowering um, our children is the, is the best step that we can take in helping them to become successful adults. I think sometimes there is an inclination to want to do for or to help um, because it's, it's hard to see anyone struggle. Um, but I think it's really important that we create opportunities where kids can learn skills and build confidence and really learn what it means to be independent um, and to take control for their lives. So that's something we frequently talk with parents about is learning to let go a little bit. And parents start to do that when they enroll their children in our preschool program. It's a full day program, so their children are here, and it's an opportunity for parents to start to step back a little bit and to start learning what their child can achieve. Um, and we really gear that program towards setting children up to be successful as they transition into the public school system. So we work closely with our parents to help them to determine what their goals are for their child and work collaboratively to help their child to achieve those goals. But I think it's important for parents to give their child an opportunity to really um, learn and thrive. Um, and to do that with a greater sense of independence. Great advice. How can our listeners contact you if they have any questions? And even how might our Wisconsin listeners learn more about Vision Forward and become clients? Well, fantastic question. So I believe you referenced our website earlier. So our website is www.vision-forward.org. There is a wealth of information on our website, and there are places where individuals can actually request additional information or request to be put onto our mailing list so that you can continue to get ongoing communication from us. In addition to that, you can reach us by telephone, and our telephone number is 414-615-0100. And from that telephone number, um, one of our front desk individuals can take some information and help to connect you with the proper staff member. We also have um, an email address um, that where individuals can request information or referral to our any of our programs and services, and that is info, I-N-F-O, at vision-forward.org. So I would encourage individuals who may be interested in learning more about our programs or services to connect us in one of those three ways. Amazing. Jackie, Chris, and Katrina? I think that you all gave some very helpful guidance that will help people with vision loss find the resources that they need to become more independent. And we appreciate you coming on and sharing your experiences. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Before we go, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website that's speaking out for the blind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My email address is speakout at acbradio.org and my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash for dash the dash blind. 
Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Hi, this is Dan Kaiser for Saturday Roulette, heard every Saturday on ACB Radio Interactive from 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern. Every Saturday, you can hear the best of rock and roll, including legendary rock bands, artists, and new and upcoming artists. And listen to us on demand as well on www.acbradio.org roulette. Listen to the greatest blend of rock and roll with new and contemporary rock artists and legendary rock artists all here on Saturday Roulette, 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Interactive. The American Council of the Blind has established the Legacy Society to honor and recognize individuals who have communicated their intentions to include ACB in their estate plans via a bequest or another type of planned gift. We want to acknowledge individuals for including ACB in their will while they are still living so that we can thank them for their commitment to perpetuating ACB's good work for years to come. Says ACB President Kim Charlson, more information about the Legacy Society and how you can help is available from Tom Tobin, Director of Development at T-Tobin, T-T-O-B-I-N, at A-C-B dot O-R-G, or by phone at 800-424-8666, option 5. Thank you for listening to ACB Radio and for considering ACB's future financial needs. ACB Radio.